What's good, family? Welcome to the relaunch of the By the Hood podcast. Uh, we haven't been with you in a while because we've been out in the community doing the work, but we're bringing it back. Um, and one of the reasons that we started doing this podcast or webcast is is not just to um, you know talk to people and, and, and share that information, but also for us to learn as well. Uh, salute to my brother Corey. He's not with us tonight. He's out you know handling business, but I'm gonna hold it down. Um, but like I said, we like to learn, so we like to invite guests on that teach us. Um, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and community building, and we have someone on who's not only a professor, he's an entrepreneur himself, he's a community activist, and I can attest to having seen him out in the uh, field actually doing the work and not just behind the screen talking about it, and that's not a shot at anybody. But uh, without further ado, I want to introduce my brother, Professor Carlton Jones. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good, actually. How are you doing, brother? Man, listen, How's brother. I, I can't. <laughs> And <laughs> I can't complain, but um, you know, we're not we, we like to make our shows fairly short just to introduce people uh, to people in the community actually doing the work. Um, so we want to get right into it. Uh, you also a filmmaker, but let me let me just um, you know, set the table by saying you're one of my favorite people online, and I'll tell you why. Um, I I have a lot of friends, follow a lot of people, and a lot of people talk about the problems of our community, but no one is really solutions-based. And you're one of the only people, you're not the only one, but you're one of the only people that are, you're solutions-based. And whether I agree with some of your points or not, you make me think. So I wanna you know, start by saying, um, you know, for one, thank you. And for two, is that a conscious decision to be solutions-based in, 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 in a community where you see people argue over time about history, who's right, who's wrong? A lot of people don't focus on solutions. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I appreciate you hearing that. You know, that's encouraging. Um, I hope most people, when they hear me talk or see something that I post on social media, you know, get that point because um, my goal is to get us from this debate stage to the solution stage to to considering it. And sometimes I'll post things on social media that I'm not even, you know, it might not even be my point of view, but I know it's going to be thought provoking. And it's going to pretty much generate or, or point people in a direction where you have to at least address the situation to come to a solution or at least consider the opportunity, you know, the, the potential options. And, you know, um, you know, I, I think part of that is because um, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that's results oriented. You know, I need to see the results. They need to be tangible. And I'm not, you know, when I got my wake up call, you know, um, in regards to um, waking up to 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 being to black consciousness and not just being black consciousness, but the 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 roles of a black nationalist or pan Africans. You know, one of the things I said was, I'm not in this to become famous. I'm not in this to become a star. I don't care if anybody notices me. In fact, the longer I'm in it, the more behind the scenes I want to become. Mm -hmm. But I want my goal is to have a liberated space for black people that we can be productive in a place that we can have our own resources, access to the resources. We create the resources, a place where we have institutions and schools. So the schools will feed the institutions, the institutions will protect the schools and to, to have that African centered culture. And more importantly, once we get those things to be able to protect it. So if all of my accomplishments today, if I died tomorrow, I would have died in a, in a state of unrest, you know, mm -hmm. I would have transitioned to the state of unrest because um, my goal was not accomplished. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah, everything that I talk about is solution oriented because at this point in the game, you know, the clock is running out, you know what I'm yeah. saying, on us. And so we need to be solutions oriented because you don't want your enemy to determine what the solution should be for you. Absolutely. And you know, we tackle this from an economic standpoint. We like to teach personal finance and economics. But it's funny because in talking to some people, I feel like people fall in love with the struggle sometimes. Um, like they literally like enjoy the struggle where you try to talk about solutions and they don't want to talk about that. Like, do you find that in your work as well? Brother, <laughs> one of the reasons why I came, you know, why, why um, <clears throat> and there were a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why, you know, I um, did the film, The Independence Day Project was because I was talking to elders, people who had been involved in this struggle, if you call it, for 40 to 50 years. And they would always talk about it, you know, with being married to the struggle. And I looked at it from a, from a perspective of, if I had a job, I wouldn't want to work to my last days. I would, the job, the goal of the job is to work the job till you get to retirement stage, to, when the job is done. So, um, that was one of the reasons, but yeah, every time I turn around, people are engaged. And I think we've fallen into that place of victimhood where oh. we draw our strength <laughs> and energy from being victims. Listen, you hit the nail on the head. And, and that's a good segue into your, uh, the, the film that you've, uh, you pretty much did everything. Um, you edited the film, you shot the film, you know, speaking of entrepreneurship, you stepped into that lane, not just as a filmmaker, but as someone who put the whole project together. Um, and it's funny you say that about like solutions. That's one of the things, one of the books I read that uh, had a change in me when I was a young man was Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. Yeah, very and good book. And the reason that book changed me is because, you know, after breaking everything down, he actually came with solutions. So that like, you know, so that's always stuck with me. That's why to bring that up. But um, before you go on, I just want to say something about Dr. Claude Anderson, because it's ironic that you say that because I saw a, a video of his, mm -hmm. that video that I saw him in Baltimore, where he just said black people were in trouble. And when I saw it, that was a turning point for me. Okay. That's when I became more solutions oriented because in looking at what he was talking about, he was addressing the fact that the clock is winding down on us. And yeah. if we address the situations now, you know, and, and he was speaking more so as, a, uh, you know, an angry integrationist. But even if he's just talking about building a black, uh, an independent black community, mm -hmm. the time was winding down. So, but Dr. Claude Anderson played a huge role in my transformation in terms of, you know, thought processing and things okay. of that nature as well. That's a good to hear, too. Um, so speaking about the Independence Day Project, like I said, you um, you took on a role of everything, entrepreneur, a filmmaker. You, you did the whole thing. And it's an amazing body of work. Um, and, you know, I, I want to commend you on that. But there's a couple of things that I, I took away from the film. I was actually watching your film, Taking Notes, which is which is interesting because I watch a lot of documentaries, but all of them don't make me take notes, right? <laughs> there was a sister in the film, um, and she said something that stuck with me. Because um, again, you know, from By the Hood, we talk about economic empowerment, owning our communities. And she talks about how everyone has a role. And she says, not everyone is meant to be a warrior. And mm -hmm. that kind of stuck with me, right? Because I see people fighting all the time. You know, people come at me all day long. Oh, you talk about his money. I said, well, that's my role. Like, I, I feel like that's my part to play. I'm not the person out there marching. You know, um, everybody has their part to play. So uh, how do you feel about that when she says not everyone is meant to be a warrior? Some people have other parts to play in terms of us getting our independence. Well, first of all, that was Kara Poole. Okay. And, um, and, and let me just tell you, she's one of the people who, when I thought of the concept of the Independence Day Project, she was one of the brain trust. 
she was one of the people who immediately understood and helped me develop the concept for the project. So I just want to take my hat off and commend her too, and, and especially her work with the great Grio, um, because she has a home, a home, a, her own videos, her own set of videos that she goes about. But um, what I, that part struck me because we seem to be, you know, it seems like everybody that does this work, for somebody on the outside, they look at us to wear all the hats. And when you look at nation building, if you really want to speak of it from the principle of nation building, well, nations have different departments. Nations have different parts, different functions of, of government. Nations have, you know, um, the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Economics, the Department of Education, Department, you know, um, you know, uh, Food and Drug Administration. I mean, they have nations have those things. They have ministries, and in our particular, you know, um, mission, if you will, mm -hmm. too many organizations or too many people try to be the end all be all, the solution bearer with wearing all the hats. And you find that they never get traction, they get overworked. I mean, just doing what you do. And mm -hmm. I wanna commend you and Corey because what people probably don't, well, your people probably know, but a lot of other people don't know, y'all go out and provide um, financial literacy for free. And if you charge, it's pennies on the dollar. You know, <laughs> absolutely. And um, so I want to commend you for that that work because that's the type of work we're talking about when we wear these different hats and that's understand our skill. My skill, I'm a visionary. I'm a teacher. Don't ask me to handle the money. I'm trying. <laughs> Don't ask me to handle the money. Okay. I wasn't gifted. I wasn't. I wasn't born with that gift. I'm learning, but I wasn't. I'm not. Some people's like like Corey, for instance, you talk to Corey, he finds six different ways to make money in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not my skill. You want to talk about leading a uh, military ranks or, or, or militia? I know a little bit about it through history, but I that's not my area. But I will teach you. I'll teach the hell out of you, and I will show you, you know, vision. I'll help you think outside the box, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so that part I think was very integral because I think if people watch that, then they'll start to tunnel fo focus on being part of the bigger cause yeah. and and handling the thing that they're the master at instead of being the jack of all these other different trades. Yeah, that that's why that stuck with me because that actually came with growth because I remember in the past like you know because I always wanted to help my people right so. If someone didn't think the way that you thought, a lot of times when I was younger, I would get into heated debates. And at the end of the day, once you communicate with someone, you realize that they still we all have the same goal, right? But we're just attacking it from different angles. And as long as you know we have the same goal, I mean, you know, everybody has a part to play. Like you know, back to yours. And that's why what she said stuck to me. Like everyone's not meant to be a warrior. There's those that are meant to be a warrior, but everybody's not meant to be. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's one of the things that stuck out with me. Um, you also talk about uh, eco-sovereignty, food, clothing, and shelter. And I, I thought that was a very important piece. And for those who don't know what I'm speaking of, I'm just to bring it back up. We're talking about the Independence Day Project. It's a film um, that was created, you know, um, everything. Like I said, he, he took on the hat of an entrepreneur. He's selling himself short, saying that that's not a skill set. But when it comes to doing this project, you kind of had to do that, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, Talk about a little bit about eco sovereignty and uh and, and how food, clothing, and shelter um you know relates to that and you know because a lot of us never talk about that piece, we never talk about that piece. Yeah, well, you have to get the confidence of the people, and in order to get the confidence of the people, you have to control the things that they need. 
you have to be able to be the resource for the things that they need. So that's where the echo sovereignty comes in play, comes into play. Because it's sort of like that, you know, we're tackling the hierarchy of needs. And mm-hmm. that first level of hierarchy of needs is food, clothing, shelter, protection, security, things of that nature. Well, if you are not providing those things, you can't have a nation because the nation itself stands on the principle that the people that are within that nation are protected by those who are governing them. And so, so when we speak to when we speak about echo sovereignty, we're talking about actually taking control of our resources. We're talking about being the, the providers of food, the, the providers of shelter, the providers of clothes. That means we need to go out and get our own land. That means we need to be able to cultivate that land. That means we need to be able to pull and draw from the land and all the resources provided. So just like when you had the, um, I believe it was a rapper who went over in Africa and he partnered up with China, but they were able to, to pull away from the, the oil companies by creating solar power for um, several African countries. Well, then we should be able to use natural resources to, to create power in our communities, our designated communities that we take over and that, that we liberate. So we should be able to, to, to have a source, say, of solar energy, wind, um, wind energy, you know, um, if you want to use the, the water, the ocean, you know, whatever, but, but be able to provide it off of the grid so we provide those things for our people. We yeah. should be able to, you know, um, like my, my, my good brothers down in um, Mississippi right now, um, and sisters down there, they have the, they're creating their own water right now. Wow. You know, um, the Black Liberation Movement water, you know, and it's alkaline 9.5, alkaline. Okay. And, uh, we're trying to get it up here, but we're trying to work that out. But it's the same, you know, we're taking control of the resources and therefore we're building the principles and the foundation for nation building. You yeah. can't build a nation in somewhere where you're still paying rent. It this just don't work out like that. And, and that, that resonated with me because, um, talking to people all the time who, who are entrepreneurs and try to start businesses. They want to start flashy businesses, but they don't think about controlling resources um, or even things that are, are crucial to our day-to-day living. Like even if you're not growing the food, that the actual concept of owning markets or owning gas stations, right? Those aren't flashy businesses. And I think um, it was Carter G. Woodson in the miseducation, miseducation of the Negro who talked about that. Like there's certain things that we're going to use. We need to control those things. Um, so that's why that part resonated with me in the film. Like I said, it's amazing I, that you brought that up because that's exactly why we spoke about that in the film was that um, Dr. Carter G. Woodson's quote in terms of the arrogance of our business class and and, 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 and our bourgeois class when it came to being businessmen wanting to wear shirts and ties and, yeah. and builders and not necessarily deal with what they considered, uh, uh, I forget what he called it, but the common man's business. Like you needed the ice, the guy moving the barrel ice down the street. He's dependent on every day. He doesn't exactly. have to with a new concept. You need that ice every day, especially back then. You know, yeah. water the milk guy, you know. So so yeah, so yeah, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, Carter G. Woodson, man, like you know, and for those not paying attention, that's two powerful books we already gave you so far. And I didn't even I didn't even get to ask you about any books, but um, because there's so much as I want to get so much in within a short period of time, right? So I want to ask you about another concept from the film. And uh, again, this is the Independence Day project. Um and it's a powerful movie for a lot of reasons. Like everybody who watches it may take something different from it. But from my vantage point of coming in from someone who talks economics, there's certain things that stuck out to me. So I took these notes. So um, another thing was the concept of planned shrinkage. I found mm-hmm. that an interesting concept. I've rewound that a couple of times, you know. So could you explain to, um, you know, um, our listeners about planned shrinkage? Yeah, planned shrinkage gentrification is what it's, it's called. Planned shrinkage gentrification. 
And it's basically when you have developers um, and they decide to ostracize certain areas of the, um, you know, uh, certain regions. And typically we, what we find is they ostracize neighborhoods, communities, and even countries where black people or African people of African descent occupy. You can see this in Jamaica, you can see this in uh, all places in the Caribbean, Central and South America, as well as various places in Africa, and as well as every neighborhood, every urban setting in, in this country. And what it is basically is you have a bunch of developers who, who um, link up with government industry, whether it's um, state, federal, or local government. And what they decide to do is they buy off properties in particular, and they buy them in clusters or they sell them in clusters and they collaborate to downgrade that community where it be where you have vacant housing, you have poor um, uh, street lights, uh, you, you know, infrastructure is breaking down. And one of the things that happens, you, you know, um, the police patrols, they don't show up when crime occurs, you allow for crime to occur. Um, and, you know, basically they downgrade the community in the livable spaces within that community. So if you have a community, let's just say you had a community with a hundred units, well, by the time they're done, you might have 15 units of livable spaces. Meanwhile, everything around them is is degraded. You know, the houses, you know, you have, the, like I said, the vacant buildings, um, you have uh, the, 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 um, the, the infrastructure is breaking down and they allow for that to happen until to the point where people are either kicked out, where you have to have people forcibly removed from those places, and then they bring redevelopment in. That's the austerity coming in. They bring redevelopment in and redevelop those areas like they tried to do with Detroit, like they did with Northern Liberties, like what they're doing currently right now in Kensington and Philadelphia, um, k &A, where they have the open drug market right now. You know, with the uh, opioid epidemic, where they're allowing, you know, they basically have a tent city down in Kensington, Allegheny, between yeah. Kensington, Allegheny, Kensington, and Cambria, and they have a whole park where tents, where people are just using up, and they're basically recultivating. They're allowing that the livable spaces down there to to shrink to the point where they can recultivate that and expand northern areas. Yeah, yeah. So. So that's interesting right there because, um, you know, someone with a, with a real estate background, I found that to be very interesting because one of the things that we teach people is, is, is ownership. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's not just ownership. It's, and this is how everything ties together, which is why Poweronomics is, 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 you know, one of my go to books, because even within ownership, you, you, you have to, as he says, you know, um, use the economics to, to move to the next ladder. Right. So even when you talk about politics and how politics plays a part in that planned shrinkage. Um, one of the things that I recognize in a lot of our areas that have been gentrified is that, you know, a lot of the people who control the purse strings, so to speak, the politicians are our own people. Um, well, I wouldn't call them our own people. <laughs> well, well, yeah, all, all skin folk. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. I get it. But, but the, I say that to say this. How do we go about holding them accountable for this? Right. Okay. So, so. If you work, if you work to put, you know, what you believe is your own people in, but you know, they're not even doing your bidding, which is why a lot of times they say, forget running a candidate, buy a candidate. I know a lot of people who actually believe that. Like, listen, people who have money, they buy politicians. Yeah, um, 3.0 just bought some politicians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the answer to you, but I think you provided the answer already. The answer is, you know, the economic pool and us okay. deciding to move as a unit, as a block. When you have other communities, they move as a block. They they decide their votes as a yeah. block, they decide who they're gonna fund as a block. They have their own um, lobbies. 
they write and draft their own laws and policies and they take those to the politicians. So either they create the politician or they let the politicians who need their votes, who needs their money, they let them know these are our stipulations. We, mm-hmm. we have, we're very wishful people. We vote <laughs> for somebody and we wish and we're hoping that they stay true to us, loyal to us. We also, we treat it like the streets, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When we when we treat you know politicians like okay, we did you a solid, you have to do the solid back. And you know, they want to learn, like, you know, like in the wire, it doesn't work like that. You have to be able to hold, like you said, hold the politicians accountable. How do you hold them accountable? Well, first of all, abst- you know, abstain from the process. If you mm-hmm. abstain from the process, people say if you have, you remove yourself from the process, you 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 know, um First of all, they go back to this thing where our ancestors died for the right. To, no, our ancestors died for us to, to be liberated people. Our mm-hmm. ancestors didn't die for us to be mules or as um, Malcolm X used to call us, you know, suckers. I'm sorry. You know, um, you know, I'm saying because Malcolm talked about voting blocks like, he's, you know, and, and, and if you listen to a lot of his work, he talks about like if you don't vote in the block, you're pretty much wasting the vote. Yeah. Um, but he talks about voting and so a lot of these a lot of the answers our ancestors have given us <laughs> right which is, which is funny, you know what i mean so that's interesting that you bring that up um another thing that spoke to me in your film right and from someone who has like i said a real estate investment background it doesn't matter what i personally accumulate which is why i never really like to talk about my, my personal accomplishments in terms of that because of with the, because of this piece in your film talking about rugged individualism right mm. so that's one of the reasons why we're in the community and we try to do things but one of the things that we struggle with to be honest with you is getting people to pool resources and work as a collective when it comes to economics myself and corey can go do deals all day long but mm. we understand that it's only a, it's only so much we can do as individuals unless we find a collective to work with and you talk about this in the film, how rugged individualism leaves us powerless. So mm-hmm. can you explain to the listeners out there, what is rugged individualism and how does it leave us powerless? Well, rugged individualism is is is, is a real simple concept, bro. Um, it's basically, you know, um, I'm doing for me and I'm going to use whatever resources you provide to build my own capital. And I might provide for me and my family, but I really don't care about pouring back in or paying it forward to the next generation and I'm not community bound. Now, one of the things we talk about in the movie more so is in every aspect of, of the, the non areas of human activity that we address, um, we talk about the culture because we wanna bring it back to the culture. We need to become more African centered in our culture because if we become more African centered in our culture, one of the things, um, and we speak about, you know, one of the principles of Kwanzaa is cooperation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's talking about, you know, economic cooperation. And so we want to bring um, all that back. You know what I'm saying? We want to get that at that African centered culture to the point where people are looking at each other and it's not my, my dollar, my $1 doesn't matter. But if I got 5,000 friends, and we have a dollar and we have a committed goal or committed purpose that's going to benefit not just us, but the, the community and future generations to come, then we're not even, it's just going to be second, second nature. You know, you go to the Jewish community. One of the things they did in Brooklyn, which was freaking amazing. Um, and um, 
Bed-Stuy, where Biggie used to live, by the way. They gentrified, re-gentrified Bed-Stuy mm-hmm. in uh, Bedford Stuyvesant. And one of the things they did was they, um, you had some uh, uh, real estate investors who bought out the buildings because New York was going from rent controlled to, to you know, um, they were removing the rent controls of the, for, the, for the properties. So what they did was they went out and bought buildings and then they and they would advertise for Section 8. They made them Section 8 available. They would advertise them in their newspapers, but the newspapers weren't written in English. They were written in Yiddish. So mm-hmm. if, you didn't, if you could understand Yiddish, you didn't know that it was a Section 8 building right here. You see what I'm saying? So they okay. were able to make all their money back and still provide rent control for their community. That's yeah. thinking as a community. Rugged individualism, one of us would have bought that building and we would have, we might have said, yeah, we want to, you know, um, make it Section 8, but we wouldn't have done it in a way that provided or benefited black people. We would have done it in a way yeah. we provide for ourselves. Yeah. You'll see a picture of me in a swimming pool somewhere talking about, you can be like me. You know what I'm saying? But we wouldn't be necessarily doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's from it. And it's done as the collective. Yeah, that's that's. And it's another book, by the way, I want to bring up. It's a book called The Jewish Phenomenon, right? Which which speaks a lot to how they move as a unit. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is they talk about how they move as a unit without necessarily having to have a leader. Yeah. Um, and I know you talk about this all the time. I actually watched one of your lectures before. And in your lecture, you asked everybody in the audience, uh, who's the leader of the Jewish community? And they're like, I don't know. Who's the leader of the white community? Who's the leader of the Asian community? And no one had any answers. But you said, who's the leader of the black community? You heard... Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, Jesse, you know, and, and no shots to any of them. But the fact of the matter is we're the only community where people can just readily point to who our leaders are. We're, we're never on code, which is right. kind of what you're speaking to. Um, in that book, The Jewish Phenomenon, which is a, is a pretty good book, talks about how they move without even having to say a word. Yeah. Like they're is one without even having to meet with each other. You know, so that's another book I want to bring up, um, which is a powerful book. Speaking of that lecture, though, um, and something else I found interesting, you were saying some very powerful things, and there was one white lady in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I was reading the comments on this because I'm one of these people on, on YouTube who read comments. <laughs> you do, you and, everybody, <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, she must feel uncomfortable. She must feel uncomfortable. And you chimed in and said, the funny thing is she's the only person who asked me to come speak to her class. She's a teacher or something. Yeah. Um, And that leads me to the idea. The idea of doing this work, putting yourself on the front line, being an entrepreneur, being an educator, and the support you get from the people—is that getting any better at this point? Like, how is that working out? Is it getting any better, or do you still find that to be a, a pain point within the work that you're doing? <sighs> that, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, that's probably the most disparaging part of this. Is the fact that when you do the work, people will cheer you on, they'll clap, but they won't really support you. And um, you know, what I'm saying that that's probably one of the most disappointing things. It's so so I have to go back to the successes to sort of recharge me, the mm-hmm. um the, to see the elders who I know put in work and also look at the babies because this generation for some strange reason this i might want to just say this generation but our community does not see this work as being fundamental so when i talk to, and i talk to teachers all the time I, I i worked at a school 
where those that the people people from that school branched out and now they're teaching all over the city. They not one of them have ever invited me into their classroom. Mm. Um, and the the irony behind that is when a crisis comes up, then my phone rings off the hook. You know, um, when when there's a situation where children need to be reached or a community issue that needs to be addressed, that's when they decide. So we're sort of like, um, and as somebody said before, the warrior is not revered until the warrior is needed. And, you know, so so we sort of have to take on the mantle and understand that the community itself is, uh, first of all, we understand our community is sick. And the stuff yeah. we're talking about doing the medicine ain't it, the medicine don't taste good, you know what I'm saying? To to tell people that you if you really want to cure yourself or, or stop police brutality, if you really want to stop well we call it police terrorism, if you really want to stop um, a situation where we have so many broken homes, then there's certain things you're gonna sacrifice. And they're saying, no, nah, we don't want to sacrifice the heroin. We don't want to sacrifice the crack. I mean, we don't want to sacrifice the electronics. We don't want to sacrifice the fancy clothes. We don't want to sacrifice these different that, you know, um, the, the happy hours at the bar. We don't want to sacrifice, you know, um, going to the movies and getting lost in, in the, in the um, comic book, you know, theatrical, you know, display. We don't want to do those things. And then we, when, but, but when the crisis comes up, then it's like, um, you know, where you guys are. Like, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the day that Trump got elected, how many people I knew that were so shook they were talking about leaving the country. And my <laughs> phone rang off the hook for about two weeks. <laughs> people, I had to talk them off the bridge. I had to talk them off the ledge. Like, it's not going to be that bad. You know what I'm saying? We survived the Obama administration, which had more unarmed black people killed by cops than police, than, um, by police than, than were lynched in the 1920s, at the height of the lynching season, we'll survive Trump. Yeah, we'll survive. We'll, we always will. We're survivors. And, you know, I know certain areas that look like, you know, and, and there's a meme out there, it looks the same under Trump, the same under Bush, the same under Obama. So, yeah. you know, so we we got to save ourselves. This is what it boils down to. That 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 is the most powerful thing, I think, that we, that, that, that to come up. We have to save ourselves. You know, in the Independence Day project, we asked two questions. What does an independent black community look like free of white supremacy, free of white domination? And then what do we have to do to build it? We don't ask for no help from the white man. We don't ask for reparations. I'm not saying we don't deserve reparations, but let's face it, unless you can hold them accountable and force them to give it to them, they're never going to give us reparations. So mm -hmm. when, you know, when we start talking about doing things, the Independence Day project is about us taking our power and showing yeah. that these are viable solutions. We can do this. You know, I don't want you to be fed up and drunk off of history and feel good stories and lessons and things of that nature. We've done all that, you know, and thank God for that. I'm appreciative of all the projects. I'm appreciative to people like Tariq Nasheed who showed us that this is a way to counter propaganda effectively, you know, through documented, you know, through, through the documentary form. Mm -hmm. and, and, I'm, and I'm appreciative of that, but we've done all that now. We, 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 there's no more un, uh, stones that need to be unturned to talk about our influence or histories, you know, um, derelict memories to us. Now let's talk about fixing these things for us. Let's talk about building for us because if we don't continue to move in that direction, brother, <laughs> I saw the vision for the Independence Day Project. I also saw the vision for what happens if we don't deal with what's happening to us now. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and, and salute to, uh, to the top top millionaires another brother who does um a, a podcast about a uh, black business and 
I saw a message he put out today. He said, if reparations comes, uh, you know, I'll take it. But in the meantime, I got to build. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. meantime, we, we got to build. Like, we can't sit around and wait on that. We got to build. If it comes, it comes. But if not, we got to build anyway. So, exactly. um, yeah, before we get you out of here, though, man, you know, you are a, you are a professor. So I got to ask you this. I'm a lover of books. We, we brought up uh, several good books throughout this podcast. But um, what are some books? Uh, just give me a couple. You might three books that, 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 you know, changed your life or gave you some insight that, to lead you to be the person that you are today. Well, it's funny, right? Because I'm looking around my book, my room, my book collection right now. <laughs> but it's some books that we it's not even about it's some books that weren't even ours. You know, um, like the deliberate dumbing down of America. Like okay. um, and that's this uh let me see if I can pull it. Ah, try to make sure I got the right one. There we go. The deliberate dumbing down of America. Okay. And this is written by a woman by the name of Charlotte Isabike. Now, this book talks about, you know, how the um, the system of education was deliberately, you know, designed to create, you know, a permanent working class. So when you filter through these books, you start to read and you start to dissect, they're talking classism, but I see the racism inside mm -hmm. of it, you know, and I see how this thing, when you combine it with what Dr. Carter G. Woodson was talking about, then you start to you know add on the pieces. I'm I'm a person that fills in the blanks and puts the pieces of the puzzle together. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's one book in particular. I mean, we we you mentioned some of my favorite books. Yeah, and I know you can give me a ton of them. I'll just say this give me like you know, three, three ones that we like you may have heard of, may not have heard of. Well, the but there was there was um a book that sort of turned me around a long time ago. Um, and it was Make Me Wanna Holler by Nathan McCall. Okay. You know. So, um, and, and Nathan McCall, you know, basically talked about his transformation into blackness, you know, mm -hmm. uh, into black consciousness. And he had dealt with several situations. You know, he grew up in the DC area um, and he um, talked about his breakthrough. Um, and, 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 and he became a journalist for the Washington Post. Um, mm -hmm. And he started, but he talked about how he, you know, had, he had to go through the, the wheel, through the weight, the racism in, toward, in, our, in order to get there. Now there's one, um, well, several, I mean, you can talk about the compensatory, the compensatory code book um, is written by Elder Neely Fuller, which he, he was the Jegna to, that's another term we brought up in the movie, Jegna. Um, yeah. To Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. Okay. Understanding what racism and white supremacy was. Mm -hmm. um, so you know we, we got that book um there's another book though that many people probably don't re recognize in this um a, a book that was just called kaffir boy i'm familiar with it. i'm familiar yeah. I, I haven't read it yet but i actually have it in my list i already have the book i purchased the book it's on my list of, of books that i'm getting to mm -hmm. and else i want to bring up because you brought up nathan mccall i actually read that book years ago um but just you know for the listeners out there um you get you, anybody that follows me i'm always talking about books one of the things that I recognize also is um, going back and rereading books at different mm -hmm. points in my life. And I, I think I'm going to go back and read that now, see how I um, take in the information, you know, now that I have more information, you know, because that's what's interesting about Because I've read The Miseducation Negro so many times. And mm -hmm. each time I read it, I'm at a different point in life and I'm taking something different from the book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's several books like that. Um, so just want to bring that up, as you mentioned, Nathan McCall, because I was like, damn, I'm, I'm going to go back and read that again. More. Yeah, it, yeah, that same thing happened with me. I read, I think I've read, matter, I've read the book four or five times. I've given it away four or five times. I've rebought the book four or five times. 
because it's, it's just the um you know you learn something different every time um yeah. a different piece and, and with Kaffir boy um about written by um, a brother named mark Mathabain. he was a south african you know and Kaffir is akin to the word to the n-word here you know, um, and African was Afrikaans or whatever, you know, um, and talking about their struggles in Africa. And the thing I think is interesting about reading that book and why I brought it up is because if you look at the gentrified cities and the gentrified situation we're dealing with now, the areas in America are starting to mimic the conditions of apartheid South Africa prior mm -hmm. to, you know, the removal of apartheid where they had the color and caste system and the closer you got to the, 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 the metropolitan area, the business district, the inner circles of the city, the whiter it got. And yeah. you had to show your passes and you had to show ID to get from one place to another. And now we're starting to see that, you know, they're re redlining here, like, you know, um, openly redlining to the point where if you are not supposed to be in certain areas, you know, the cavalry show up and now you got to show them your license and registration. They don't even ask you for your registration no more. They just ask you for your driver's license. It happened yeah. to me one time. So, you know, um, so those are some of the books. I mean, they, like I said, if and, and look, and, and, and I, know, I, know, I know you're a professor, so anytime you ask a professor about books that can go on, but I just well, no, no, say this part. I you, answered my question, you gave a couple books that, like, you know, I'm going to go back, like the first book you showed, I, I've never read that, I've never even heard of that book, but I'm adding that to my list tonight, like, you know, because, um. You know, uh, you know, as as a, as our brother Kill says, read or die. Like, mm. you know, I'm 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 all about that reading life. So, um, that's exactly why I asked you that question. I knew you would bring up something that's not one of the more popular books. So, oh yeah, well, the the thing is, I have so many books that I've yet to read that I plan on reading. You know, yeah, and that's the one thing I want to say is I'm not a know all. I don't have all the answers. Um. You know, um, one book that I read and I'm and I'm and I'm reading and I'm trying to get more of, and, and it's the uh, Blueprint for Black Power by Amos Wilson. Okay. And, you know, um, reading that book. I'm also currently reading, um, you know, um, one of the books from, um, you know, um, I'm reading a book called Warrior. You know what I'm saying? And um, and and right now, you know, is, is, do I have one of the copies? I'm trying to think if I have a copy of it up here, um, but. No, speaking of plant shrinkage and gentrification, a book that I want to bring up um, also is The Color of Law. So for those listening, um, read The Color of Law, and it, it, especially for my people out there in real estate, it will give you a different perspective. It, it talks about how our communities um, were basically made and the law that were used to uh, put us in the conditions that our, some of our communities are. So that's a powerful book right there. Mm -hmm. um, nothing happens by accident. Let's put it that way. And the color of law pretty much breaks that down. Um, goes into redlining. It goes into uh, you know um, racism in the mortgage industry. It goes into a lot of things, but it gives you facts, data, and you know um, can't argue with a lot of that. So the color of law is another pretty good book. But um, you know I want to keep you. I know because we could talk all night, Professor. But I just want to say uh, thank you um, first and foremost for you know coming on this podcast um, for sharing sharing your knowledge. And also the Independence Day project. How can people get a hold of of, of your film? Oh, um, they can go to my website, um, blackindependence.org. That's blackindependence.org, and um, they can also find me on social media, um, on um, Facebook, Instagram, 
Um, not so much on Twitter, <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, um, and if they, if they just Google my name, Carl Tone Jones, there's something very unique about my name. It's the only Carl Tone Jones on all of the internet anywhere, it's in all of cyberspace. I'm the only Carl Tone Jones. So if you, <laughs> you're not, you're not Carlton, but if it's Carl Tone Jones, if you Google my name, um, you'll be able to contact me. Um, all my contact information is right there. Um, and uh, I just really appreciate you bringing me on the broadcast, brother. I really love and respect the work y'all do. Um, I mean, I brought you guys into my classroom. I will be bringing yeah. you back into my classroom. Um, every time, you know, the students, they love, you know, the, the um, message and the information they got from you and Corey. So, you know, um, we appreciate yeah. y'all coming out that day. And, and, and I want to make you a promise and all our listeners out there, because I, I, I'm, I'm this film, like, you know, um, was so powerful to me that I'm going to meet up with Professor Tone. I'm going to purchase five copies myself. And for anyone who like, you know, um, gives me some feedback after listening to this episode, I'm going to send it to you for free. Five people. The first five people to say, hey, anything about it. I'm going to meet up with Brother Tone, get five myself and I'll give them away, man, because I, I believe in, the, you know, the work that much. And also, um, are you working on another one or what? What's, what's, what's oh, yeah, going on? yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I had to take some time off because that first one almost, you know, it did some work to me. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that, man. I can only imagine, like, you know, the editing piece had to be brutal. Had to um, be brutal. Bro, the editing piece, um, doing the soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> making <Yeah>. beats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You So you learned a lot of process, right? Yeah, I was, I'm in the wilderness doing things I'd never done before. So a lot of things you see on the film, it's like I did that for the first time. Um, yeah. Yeah, but we're all working, you know, we're working right now on um, part two. See, the first vision, the first film was Division. Now, mm -hmm. this is, the second film is Practical Application. Okay. So we might have given you some solutions in the first film, but we're going to show you the solutions in progress in the second film. So we ain't just talking about building you know, this nation that we, you know, we keep speaking on, we're actually out in the field doing it. We're actually out there with the crops. We're actually out there with the- You know what's crazy? All right, and I said I was getting out of here, but I had to bring it up based on that point, right? Because you hear all the time when people say, uh, you know, uh, what about black on black crime or nobody does this, but there are people out there doing the work and you document the everyday person, not necessarily, um, you know, the celebrities that like to get on documentaries and because they're celebrities, but you, you document a lot of the people who are out there doing the work that like you know pisses me off when i hear people say no one cares when this happens oh absolutely they do there are people out there doing the work um, um corey and i just um you know spoke at a prison and it was a bunch of brothers there like pouring into people and i was sitting there like you know there's no cameras here but like it's not just us i'm talking about it may have been you know 20 brothers that were there like you know getting knowledge and information and trying to pull each other up so um and you document that, which is a good thing. So speaking of part two, you're talking about practical application and showing people actually doing things. Because people are out there putting in work. Yes, and I think it's important that those things are documented. So, you know, salute to you for that as well. Hey, brother, we, we, we do it. And the and thing is, you know, we do it from a different place. We do it from a place of passion. We do it from a love for our people. And we also do it from the fact that we recognize the necessity for the work that needs to be done. Um, that we recognize the urgency and we also recognize that there are, like you said, there are brothers and sisters all over the planet. And this time, you know, um, with the Independence Day Project, we hope to take an international. So, um, you know, this project, it'll probably, you know, we're probably looking at maybe February of next year. 
because we okay. even going to Africa and doing some film oh. in Africa. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah, we're planning on doing some real, some real work, some more, you know, expansion and show how we're, you know, we're we're not just doing this here, you know, um, for for um, American black people. We're doing this for the whole diaspora, the, so that they can see, so they can build up, and that we need to link up and network. And it's happening, you know. And I have an elder by the name um, Dr. Murphy. And one of the things he talks about is. Um, we don't we're, we're not as much um i forget what he said but this joint we're, we're just disconnected yeah you know, we're people doing the work we're just not connected to all the people doing the work um yeah. baba mawali baruti actually takes the independence day project and that was his book i was talking about earlier with the warriors that i've been reading um and he tell and he talks about um building um well he actually uses the book as the instrumental tool i mean the okay. movie so the Independence Day project now is shown in his school in Atlanta as required oh, learning. So, nice. you know, um, I mean, plenty of things. And, you know, it's one more it's, it's, it's one more book I want to speak on, too. You know, my brother, um, um, I.J. Tayamba has a book out, you know, and it talks about um, the student organizations. So and it talks in it, but it's real good because it talks about how to organize within your community and give you a lot of good steps in organization. So, mm -hmm. um, you know what I'm saying, brother? And listen, <laughs> let's not forget your book. Let's oh, absolutely, absolutely. Own your time and space, right? And and, yeah, and own I, your time because yeah. that book right there is 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 a diamond. You yeah, know? And, I, and, I appreciate that, man. And, and know, we have, yeah, let's not forget your book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so <laughs> we, have a, we have a couple of schools using our book as well, and, and that was humbling too to have teachers reach out and say, "Man, you know, we're using your book in the school." So I know that feeling. That's that's a humbling feeling, man. Yes, sir. Um, but Professor Carlton, again, man, I just want to say thank you, man. Because like I said, we can go on all night talking about these books, but I just want to say thank you for um your time, um you know uh and we'll we'll get you back on here closer to when you know the next film project comes out. And like I said, I'm going to be picking up those copies. I'll be getting with you soon, and um you know getting those copies. I want to make sure we get these 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 films out there in the hands of the people, man. And it's an amazing project. And just salute to you for all the work you do, um because I know sometimes it can be frustrating, but you know. A lot of us appreciate what you do, good brother. I appreciate you, brother, and I appreciate the work you do. And I get motivated when I see you working. So um salute to you, good brother, and and and, and nothing but gratitude and love because you know, um, I know how real you know you brothers are when it comes to doing this work. I know um the struggles, the struggles y'all deal with that y'all mm -hmm. talk about. You know, I'm like an open book. Somebody say what's wrong, I'm gonna tell you. And a lot of, <laughs> unfortunately, I see a lot of brothers like, you know, y'all, ah, it's all right, it's all right. I'm like, no, it's not all right, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I got thing, you, man. Before we go, I just want to give a shout out to the um the Move family. Okay. You know, welcome home, um, Janine yeah. and Janet Africa. This past week did the press conference yesterday. I'm rocking. The never give up on the move shirt. I want people nice. to know that, you know, um, Mama Ramona is having her um, um, sixty. I believe it's a sixty-third birthday. Yeah, this, yeah. this upcoming Saturday. So, um, you know, um, shout out to the move and, and the Africa family. You know, um, much love and respect. Um, I, you know, what I'm saying work, you know, diligently with them on a lot of different things. But um, it's just good to see that they get the results because that's that's that. You know, they talk, you're talking about another book 
and I, I can't reach it, but you know, they talk about John Africa and his message mm -hmm. and how that message persevered and helped them persevere through, you know, torture as political prisoners in jail. It's different than being a prisoner in jail. When you're a political prisoner, people send henchmen in for you and they send henchmen in not for just for men, but for the women as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's that spirit we're talking about that you can't kill us, man. We, we, we're going to keep fighting. And when I see that, how can I give up? How can absolutely, I go on? Absolutely, man. That's, that, that's powerful words right there. That's end right there. But listen, man, um, thank everybody for tuning in to the Relaunch of the Spotted podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our podcast on um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, we are there. Um, make sure to share this content and please give us feedback. Um, you know, we're going to keep pushing out this content and get people on that, uh, that we can learn from as well as you can learn from. Um, don't forget Independence Day Project. Make sure you check that out. I'll put the link in the description. Um, and pick up our book, On Your Time and Space, at onyourtimeandspace.com. So until next time, everybody, listen, remember, it's not how much you make. It's how much you keep. You know, so, you know, keep the work up out there, people. Game elevates and peace.